0: Start the service. I said how, as a church, we've been working our way through uh, over the last number of weeks, looking at Holy Week. Holy Week being the last week of Jesus' life, starting with when he entered into Jerusalem at the start of uh, the week of, of Passover, and then we've looked. So we looked at that Palm Sunday, looked at when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, the breaking of bread with his disciples. Last week, Mike was taking us through looking at Good Friday, Jesus' death on the cross for us and today really is the culmination of Holy Week where we celebrate the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead Resurrection Sunday really is the good news for all of mankind. And over previous weeks, we've uh, really been basing ourselves in the Gospels. So the the four books of the Bible that uh, give an account of Jesus' life, of his death and of his resurrection. It was from the Gospel of Matthew that Jill was reading earlier, the the account of the resurrection story. But I want to do things a little bit differently just for the next few minutes, because this morning I want to focus not on the resurrection account from one of the Gospels, but I want us to spend a, a little bit of time in a part of a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. So if you've got your Bibles with you, if you can turn to 1 Corinthians and chapter 15. While you're finding your way there, just to kind of set a bit of background in terms of my thinking for today. I don't know if anyone had seen uh, that the BBC, have re- they'd recently commissioned a survey about the resurrection of Jesus. Have people seen this? It had been on their website. Uh, and I was made aware of it last week. And they published their findings last Sunday. This, it was the day that I found out about it. And the headline of the article was this. Resurrection did not happen, say, a quarter of Christians. So that was the headline that they'd put to the results of this survey. Resurrection did not happen according to a quarter of Christians. There's been lots of follow-up articles, lots of follow-up things that have been written, actually to say that there's a few problems with the way in which they've defined Christians and the way that people would identify themselves, whether they would consider themselves active Christians or not. So there's lots of articles that very helpfully unpack that. But I don't want to get into that too much today whether actually that is a a realistic uh, or accurate figure or not. I don't want to get into that. But what it does do is that it raises some very important questions about the significance of the resurrection and about its centrality to the Christian faith. Just how central the resurrection, the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead, how fundamental that is to Christianity. And the question that came to mind immediately after I heard about this survey and I heard about this article That the BBC had written. Immediately, the question that came into my head was if you take the resurrection out of the gospel, just what are you left with? Is what came to my mind. What are you left with? If Jesus was not raised, then what are the consequences of that? My plan for this morning, I want to spend the next 10 or 15 minutes, I'm going to do my best to stick to that, 10 or 15 minutes, exploring the resurrection and its significance really addressing that question. You know, if you take the resurrection out of the gospel, just what are you left with? And then we've got a video to show, after I've done that, that we hope will just tie the whole of this series together as we've been looking at this final week of Jesus' life and the the significance of that in in really in the context of the history of the whole of the world. But before reading from 1 Corinthians 15, we just need to understand the situation in Corinth that Paul was, was speaking into. See, in this passage, Paul... He's arguing against those in Corinth. There was a number in Corinth who said that there was no such thing as the resurrection of the, from the dead. They were saying it's not possible for people to be raised from the dead. That was the thinking of a number of people there. And in this passage, Paul is addressing that. He takes this view and he works through its implications as if that view was correct. He says, okay, so if there is no such thing as the resurrection from the dead... We need to think this thing through and think about what the implications are for us as believers. So let's pick up from verse 12 of chapter 15. So bearing in mind the situation in Corinth, people saying actually there is no such thing as the resurrection from the dead. People cannot be raised from the dead. This is Paul's response to that. He says, now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Okay, so we're going to leave it there for a moment and we're going to kind of unpack this a little bit. You see, Paul's response is this. If the resurrection does not exist, then the consequences to the Christian faith are absolutely devastating. Okay? If the resurrection does not exist consequences are devastating he says that if there is no resurrection from the dead if it is not possible for people to be raised from the dead then Jesus has not been raised he's still dead he's not alive and Paul then works his way through the implications of this he says if Jesus has not been raised then our preaching is in vain if Jesus has not been raised then our faith is in vain If Jesus, in fact, has not been raised, then our faith is futile. If Jesus has not been raised, then we are still in our sins. If Jesus has not been raised, then for those who have already died, there is nothing more for them. That is the end. That is the end of their story. Paul uses that little phrase in vain a couple of times. To, to the, the literal translation of that, or another way of looking at that, it means it's empty. He says it's empty. He says, Our preaching, the yeah. message of Jesus that we are to make known, the message that we are to make known to people about Jesus, the good news, if Jesus has not been raised, our preaching is empty. There's nothing to it, it has no content. He says, Likewise, our faith that which we are hoping for, that which we are are placing our security in, if Christ has not been raised, do you know what he says? It's empty. There is nothing to it. If Jesus has not been raised, then we are still in our sins. We are still liable for for the consequence and the price of that. If we're still in our sins, then our position before God has not changed and there is no hope for a life with God. The the word gospel means the good news. But the picture that Paul presents, what of that sounds like good news? If Christ has not been raised. Have you ever considered how you would feel if everything that you believed in turned out to be untrue? Have you ever considered this? I have. I've thought about it. What if I've got it wrong? What if there is no God? And for a number of years I thought, Do you know what, even if I've got it wrong, I still feel like I would have lived a good life. I would have looked to love people. I would have looked to serve people. I feel it would have been worthwhile. That's how I would have answered people if they'd said to me, what if? I think that answer's wrong. Now, Andrew Wilson Uh, who some of you may be familiar with. He was on a radio show a number of years ago. And that question was asked, what if we've got it wrong? What if there is no God? And someone on the panel said this. They said, similar answer to mine. Even if I've got it wrong, I still would have lived a good life. And I think it would be okay. And Andrew Wilson said, actually, look at Paul's response in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 19. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, if we've got it wrong, if there is nothing beyond this life he says if if in christ we have hope in this life only we are of all people most to be pitied that's what paul says if we've got it wrong we're of all people most to be pitied because your faith makes no sense without an eternity did you know that your faith without an eternity it makes no sense ecclesiastes 3 verse 11 speaking of god it says that he has made everything beautiful in its time and also he has put eternity into man's heart Yet so you cannot find out what God has done from beginning to end. God has set eternity on our hearts. We long for eternity. There's something within us that longs for something that is eternal. That is never ending. That goes beyond that. And that's something that God has put in us. While Jesus teaches us to observe all that he commanded and taught. Remember the great commission that was a bit that Jill shared earlier. Obey that I've commanded you. So while Jesus teaches us to observe all that he commanded and taught, to live in a way that is pleasing to God, we are not called solely to a life of mere moralism. We're not just meant to live good moral lives. That's part of it, but it's not just that. If the hope that we have in Jesus does not reach into eternity, if it does not have eternal consequence, if the hope that we have is only for this lifetime and not beyond, we are to be pitied more than anyone. Because everything that we've placed our hope on, everything that we would have staked our security in, everything that we have built our lives around and lived for, would prove to be false and worthless. We would have wasted our lives hoping for something that was not true. That is a very sad place to be. There's a guy named Paul Tripp from the States, excellent Christian author. He says, all of the past and present and future hopes of Christianity, all of the plan of God, all of the principles, all of the commands, all of the teachings balance on this one point. The physical bodily resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what everything balances on and hinges on. Did Jesus raise from the dead or not? If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are, to, we are of all people most to be pitied. But, Paul carries on in verse 20. But, this guy named David Pryor, he wrote a commentary on 1 Corinthians. He says that this but must rank with the great buts of the Bible. So let's read on, um, let's read on from verse We'll go back to 19, then we'll carry on reading. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming... Those who belong to Christ, and then comes the end when He delivers the kingdom of God, uh, the kingdom to God the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and power. He must reign until, until He has put all His enemies under His feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. You see, Paul now turns from his hypothetical statements. If Christ has not been raised, this is what it means. And he's turned from these hypothetical statements to certainties. But, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. First fruits, not part of our everyday vocabulary that we tend to use. It's an agricultural term. And the first fruits, they're the first shoots that would break through through the ground. The first bits of the harvest. The first signs of life of the crop. And when you saw the first fruits coming through, when you saw the first shoots of life coming through you knew that the rest of the crop was on its way. The first fruits were, they were a guarantee that the rest of the harvest is going to come as well. See, in using this picture of Jesus as the first fruits, Paul is stating that because Jesus has been raised from the dead, because he's been raised from the dead, there is a certainty, there is a guarantee that what has happened to Jesus will happen to us. Isn't that good news? The resurrection is a guarantee, it is a surety, it is a certainty. What has happened to Jesus will also happen to those who are in him. Verse 23 says, but each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. See, we believe that Jesus is going to come back. Jesus is coming back for his bride, the church. And when he does so, when Christ returns, all of those who belong to Christ will be resurrected just as he was. He is the first fruit, the promise, the guarantee. That is why the resurrection, that is why Resurrection Sunday is such a significant part, not just of our lives, but of history, the history of the world. It's so significant because because Christ was raised from the dead. There is a guarantee that what happened to Jesus will happen to those who were in him. We are waiting for his return. But Jesus is our guarantee, our certainty that what will happen to him, what happened to him, will happen to us. Andrew Wilson, who I mentioned just a while ago, he was doing a talk at uh, the New Day Youth uh, Festival Youth Conference. It was back in 2014. And I think the title of it was What Happens When You Die. And he spent a bit of time in this passage in 1 Corinthians 15, talking about first fruits and what that means, about the guarantee certainty that it means for those of us who are in him and he used another really helpful picture that i just want to share with you today he started talking about lightning what is the thing that many of us do when we see lightning what do we what can we just do automatically we see lightning we can start counting can't we one two three why are we counting We're counting because we know the thunder's coming. And I know it means it gives us a way of knowing how far away the storm is. The only reason we count is because we know that the thunder's coming. The lightning lets us know that. It's just a matter of waiting. We count because when we see lightning, we can be sure that thunder will follow. It's just a matter of time. It's a matter of waiting. We see a flash of lightning. We wait, 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 and the thunder comes. Jesus has been raised to life. Now we wait, we wait, we wait, but we know know that we too will be raised with him because he is the first fruits, the one who has gone before us. It is inevitable. It will definitely happen just as sure as thunder follows lightning. And what does this resurrection look like? What does it mean for us? Are you ready for this? If we jump to verse 42. It says, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. Let's jump to verse 47. The first man was from the earth, the man of dust. The second man is Jesus, is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. That is what it means for us, what has happened to Jesus will also happen to us. This is why the resurrection is such good news. That is why we celebrate it, not just today, but every day, because the resurrection of Jesus changes absolutely everything. It's the resurrection of Jesus that gives us hope. It's the resurrection of Jesus that gives us an eternity that is secure, that is guaranteed. If Christ had not raised, then to be quite blunt with you what we're doing here we are wasting our time but Christ has been raised from the dead and because he's been raised from the dead he is our guarantee that what happened to Jesus will also happen to us that is good news just want to finish with this and then we're going to watch a video one of the articles that was Was written kind of in response really to this article by the BBC in their survey was done by a guy named David Robertson and he said just want to really finish what I want to say with this for the Christian the resurrection gives us a a future and a hope it's personal certain and it's unimaginably wonderful it's what we're celebrating today throughout the series It's come up a number of times, either from Mike or myself. We've said that Holy Week, that last week of Jesus' life, starting with Palm Sunday and culminating with Resurrection Sunday, we've said it's the most important week in the history of the world. We've said that time and time again because we believe it to be absolutely true. The video we're going to watch is um, a spoken word poem that Steph Liston did at New Day a few years ago called he was and is and is to come we played it to you when it first came out one summer they've now put it they've done an animated video of it and we just want to watch that even though you've heard it before i've heard it a number of times and every time i hear it it does something for me that just makes me want to praise and worship god it's quite a long video it's about 14 minutes so just so you're aware that you're not just expecting it to be finished in five ten minutes but it just speaks of how Jesus was there from the very beginning, how Jesus came, he lived, died, was rose again, and how he's gonna come back. And I, we just felt it would just set Holy Week just in, that, in the context of eternity in a very, very helpful way. And once we've watched the video, the band are gonna come back up and they're gonna lead us back into a time of worship because we wanna celebrate our Jesus, don't we? We wanna celebrate our guarantee and our security that we have. So if we can have the video.